May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So on the mountain top, the revelation of Christ's true nature was made known. God the Father speaks in a cloud, this voice, the voice of the Spirit that gives glory to Jesus, who is there revealed among them as the one who is chosen, the one who to be listened to, the one whom God loves. And it is in the pondering, in the reflection upon the nature of God, revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we begin to glimpse something of that glory, something of the Shekinah of God. St. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, speaks of the Lord being Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is that freedom. It's the freedom to see. It's the freedom to be able to perceive that which is normally hidden from us. It's almost like we're in a dark cell and we can't see anything of what is truly out there. But the, the freedom that the Spirit brings enables us to look out and to see God in a new way. And as we contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, with unveiled, set-free faces, as it were, hearts set free to see. We are being transformed, says St. Paul, into the likeness of the one that we are contemplating. Extraordinary statement. We all would love to be more God-like, Christ-like, spirit-filled. And here he's saying, what we need to do is to contemplate Something of the nature of God as revealed in the scriptures, as revealed through great art, as revealed through poetry, as revealed in creation, all sorts of ways. And as we do that, there's something going on within us that is transformational. And so this evening, I'd like us to take advantage of this powerful icon. It's a classic icon. You know the word icon uh, it appears very much on our computer screens. It's usually in windows. And the icon is a reminder that uh, we are, when we open the icon, when we click on the icon, it's a window into whatever that icon is about. Windows, icons, very biblical things to talk about. So we click on the icon, it opens up this fantastic world. And if we don't click on the icon, then... It just remains something on the surface of your computer screen or tablet or your phone. And so for great artists down the century and iconographers who write icons, they don't paint them, they write them. They are people who enable us to contemplate what's there and enable us therefore to go through what we see into the reality to which it points. 
I expect uh, many of you, if not all of you, will have seen this icon in the Trinity Chapel. It's one of the reasons why we call it the Trinity Chapel. Because this icon speaks of the nature of the Holy Trinity. Though that's not its uh, official title. It was officially the, uh, spoken of as the, the three visitors that came to, uh, to visit Abraham when he was in the desert. Rather than me speaking off the cuff, as it were, I'd like to use the words that uh, I put together, quoting some other people as well, on this sheet that's in the, in the chapel, and for us to be able to follow those through and allow space to be able to hear and receive what God might be saying to us through it. So if you can't see the icon very well, if you're towards the back especially, you might like to look at the copy that uh, we kindly printed out uh, that Miranda did in the office. If you all got a copy of that in front of you. So tonight I'm not going to preach a sermon as such. We're going to meditate, contemplate the glory of the Lord and see how God speaks to us. So keep your eyes on that icon. We are invited to come before this beautiful ancient painting and experience the hospitality of the Trinity. To simply enjoy the love of the Father, Son and Spirit. Let us open our hearts to the Lord as we meditate on Rublev's icon. Andre Rublev painted this hospitality of Abraham in 1411 for the abbot of the Trinity Monastery in Russia. Rublev portrayed what has become the quintessential icon of the Holy Trinity by depicting the three mysterious strangers who visited Abraham, as recorded in Genesis chapter 18. Many in Rublev's culture were confused by the doctrine of the Trinity and others rejected it altogether. Rublev's Trinity showed them a way to approach God as three in one that is beyond trying to figure it out. Almost 600 years later, Rublev's icon continues to draw people into the mysterious and wonderful presence of the Trinity. First, let's remember the original context of this icon. In the Genesis account, the Lord visits Abraham in the form of three men who are apparently angels representing God. Abraham bows low to the ground before his three visitors and they speak to Abraham in union and are alternately referred to by the Genesis writer as they or the Lord. Abraham offers them the hospitality of foot washing, rest under a shady tree and a meal and they offered him the announcement that God was going to give he and his wife Sarah, who was beyond the age of childbirth, a son. 
Well, Rublev depicts the three heavenly visitors sitting at a table with a cup placed before them on the table. Most scholars understand the figures to be seated left to right in their order of Father, Son and Spirit. Others had painted this biblical story, but Rublev was the first to paint only the three angelic figures and to make them of equal size. Rublev depicts the three as one Lord. Each holds a rod in his left hand, symbolizing their equality. Each wears a garment that is blue, the color of divinity. And the face of each is exactly the same, depicting their oneness. Let's spend a moment taking those features in. The oneness, the rods, the blue, and the face. So the father figure is on the left. His divinely blue tunic is cloaked in a colour that is light and almost transparent because he is the hidden creator. With his right hand he blesses the son who perfectly fulfills the will of the father. His head is the only one that is lifted high and yet his gaze is turned toward the other two figures. The sun is portrayed in the middle figure. He wears both the blue of divinity and the reddish purple of royalty, combined with the colour of the earth, indicating his incarnation. He is the king who descends to serve the people he created and to become one with them. With his hand he blesses the cup he is to drink, accepting his readiness to sacrifice himself for humanity. His head is bowed in abandoned love to the Father on the left. The spirit is indicated in the figure on the right. Over his divinely blue tunic, he wears a cloak of green, symbolizing life and new growth. His head is resting on the table next to the his hand rather is resting on the table next to the cup, suggesting that he will be with the sun as he carries out his mission. His head is inclined toward the Father and the Son. His gaze is toward the open space at the table. What does that open space say to us? We notice the continuous circular movement in the icon of the Father, Son and Spirit. 
The Son and the Spirit incline their heads toward the Father, and he directs his gaze back at them. The Father blesses the Son, the Son accepts the cup of sacrifice. The Spirit strengthens the Son in his mission. And the Father shows his delight in the Son. Compassionate love is indicated by the Father, embodied by the Son, and accomplished through the Spirit. The 20th century writer Henri Nguyen speaks of the one who contemplates the Trinity as being drawn into a circle of divine love. And this is where that space at the front of the table takes its significance. For the more we look at this holy image with the eyes of faith, the more we come to realize that it is painted not as a lovely decoration for a convent church, nor as a helpful explanation of a difficult doctrine, but as a holy place to enter and stay within. As we place ourselves in front of the icon in prayer, we come to experience a gentle invitation to participate in the intimate conversation that is taking place among the three divine angels and to join them around the table. To join them around the table. The movement from the Father toward the Son and the movement of both Son and Spirit toward the Father become a movement in which the one who prays is lifted up and held secure. It's an invitation into divine love. We come to see with our inner eyes that all engagements in this world can bear fruit only when they take place within this divine circle, the house of perfect love. And so waiting in the Lord before Rublev's icon, can help us to join Abraham in hosting the Lord in our hearts. As we do, we discover that the Father, Son and Spirit were already inviting us to join in their circle of love. Very poignant that this icon tonight is placed right at the heart of the, of the altar. That's why we've placed it behind the altar in the Trinity Chapel. That is, is that invitation to be drawn into his love. Remember in communion we shall soon hear those words, draw near with faith. Draw near to the love of God who invites you to come as you are. Come and see the glory of the King. As those disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration were invited by Jesus to be with him as he was revealed in his glory, so we are invited to come 
into his love and to be part of the transforming purposes God has for us to love others for we love because he first loved us let's be still